Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. And if you can't tell, it's Tuesday morning, and you know what that means. Cousin Sal is here. Sal, great to see you. Yeah, what's up, Tate? I don't know why I'm so excited. That Eagles game just crushed me as a Cowboys fan. I can only imagine. Yeah, There's a lot of NFC East teams reeling right now, and uh, the Cowboys are definitely one of them. But it was good news for Jason Kelsey. He gets his first win against his brother, Travis Kelsey, as someone who has a brother that knows what sibling rivalries are like. I know this had to be a great moment for Jason Kelsey, and it was a nice little role reversal, right? We saw the Eagles in the Super Bowl. They're up 10 points at halftime. They end up losing that game, as we all know. And in this rematch, they are down 10 points. They come back in the second half and get a big win. Let's start there. What are your reactions in this game in the Super Bowl rematch? Did, was your big takeaway the fact that the Eagles were able to rewrite history a little bit? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't care about history. I think I got a D all three years I had to take it in uh, college. But yeah, it's it's rough uh, with this Eagles team because that's the kind of game, even had they lost that game by three points, I would have been like, oh man, they are really tough to put away. They looked like garbage in the first half of that game. I think the Chiefs got to Hurts five times in the first half. And even so, even at the end of the game, even, even though they shut the Chiefs out completely in the second half, they didn't do much to win that game. So that's what I'm saying. It's scary from an, a Cowboys perspective or anyone else who's competing in this league. They're going to be impossible to put away when they have 238 total yards, when Hurts is 14 for 22 for 150. Uh, it's 23 to 16 in first downs in favor of the Chiefs. This is not a game the Chiefs normally lose. And for the Eagles to pull away, it's uh, it was kind of demoralizing. Yeah, when you look at the stat sheet, like you said 150 yards for Jalen Hurts passing. That is not ideal. And if you see that, you think there's no way he's able to win a football game when A.J. Brown has one catch. But Devontae mm -hmm. Smith was kind of the one that stepped up in his stead, had a big 41-yard catch down to the one-yard line. Questionably, could have even been a touchdown. But, of course, the Eagles had the tush push in their back pocket. Uh. Touchdown that way. I know you're upset about this, but two rushing touchdowns in the second half, um, you know, and for Jalen Hurts in general to get this team over the hump so um, it was a nice moment for the Eagles but let's talk about the Chiefs a little bit because they've led the league in a lot of things on the offensive side of the football but this season they lead the league in drops 26 drops and none more important and more scathing than Valdez scaling uh, dropping what would could have been a touchdown to help the Chiefs get over the hump and win this game what are your thoughts about the Chiefs offense and more specifically about all these guys that keep dropping passes from Pat Mahomes yeah, it's disgusting. I bet Brittany Mahomes could write a nice book about it. I want to know. I think right. someone could break her down and find out what Patrick really thinks about these garbage receivers that they're paying $11 million to Valdez Scantling. My God, I don't remember him being this bad in Green Bay. But, yeah, couldn't bring it in. Remember, the first game against Detroit on that Thursday night, it was Kadarius Toney. They threw him like right. five balls, hit him in the numbers. He couldn't corral it. And then you forget about it because they're winning. You know, they have seven wins or whatever. And then it happens again in this big game, gigantic drop right there. And, you know, the Kelsey fumble was bad, too. I mean, Mahomes can't be excited about this going forward. Yeah, can you imagine a world where we're talking about what's wrong with the Chiefs and we're talking about a Pat Mahomes interception in the red zone and a Travis Kelsey fumble in the red zone? It's like, a you know, a lot of times we're trying to point fingers at the other guys, but right now it's the stars that have had some trouble for the Kansas City Chiefs, and now we're talking more about their defense and their offense. We have the panic button right here, Sal. Are, are we pushing the panic button? Are we worried about the Chiefs' offense, or are we expecting these guys to figure it out as we Where is forward? it? Let me see. I think you're just saying that. I don't think there's actually a panic no, button. No, there's one right. Here. Oh, there is it's out of the shot i, I can't right. pull it over okay. here but... all right i'll trust you there no i don't think you can i think listen look at the uh, rest of their division the broncos are in second place so they're going to win that division 
I, they're probably going to get a buy. I don't know. It's going to be all jumbled up between teams that have three and four losses. So I can't say like other years that they're definitely getting a buy. I could say that about the Eagles. They're going to be very tough to catch uh, to relinquish that one seed for sure. So uh, I think they'll be okay come playoff time, but they, I don't know. I feel like they practice together. Why are these guys dropping passes? Why, yeah. you know, Houston doesn't have big name receivers. They catch passes from CJ Stroud. There are a bunch of teams who are not high level skilled, high paid receivers and they, figure out how to get it done. I don't know what's going on in Kansas city. And a lot of those high level receivers were tweeting after the scaling drop, you know, you saw, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, former chiefs receiver, you know, you saw guys like Deandre Hopkins, who at one time thought he might be going to Kansas city talking about what a big drop that was. So yeah. I think the rest of the NFL might be enjoying this a little bit more than most. And, uh, in general, a guy who's enjoying is Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. He is now three and oh, coming off a of bye. Is this something that as we move forward and we try to handicap the Eagles, we say, if Nick Sirianni and the Eagles are coming, off a bye we have to say they're going to win the game the next and following week definitely ironic or coincidental i don't know how the alanis morissette song goes but yeah it was andy reed who was the great one off the bye off arrest and everything else and that's why all the trends and everything lended itself to another half a point on the spread for the chiefs by the way they were about to cover it never got to three it was two and a half they could have could have won that game by three had scantling held on to that ball but yeah i mean it looms large especially if they're going to get that buy in the first round. Like I said, then if they're coming off the buy, rested, they know what they're doing. Uh, not good to be any other team in the NFC. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about, um, you know, this week we're going to do a little something different. Usually we play one of my favorite games. We do over-under reaction, Sal. I give you a statement. You tell me if it's an over-reaction, under-reaction. Yeah. This week, in honor of Thanksgiving, we're going to do how many helpings, a.k.a. how many helpings do you want to take below? And you can oh. pass You can pass on these takes, Sal. So this is... Uh, is this one of your favorite games, too? or this Not, is just not my favorite game, but it's, okay. a, it's a fun game. I, I really do think it's a fun right, well, game. Well, let's see. We'll let let's the see audience decide. Yeah, yeah you let yeah. me know if it's one of your favorite games. Let's okay. start here aiden hutchinson defensive end for the detroit lions is the most exciting lions player since megatron how do you feel about that take so Ooh, megatron was very exciting barry sanders oh. before him i'm gonna say i don't know dominican sue was very exciting too he used to stomp on a guy's knees or on his groin you never knew what was going to happen with him with the detroit uh I'll take a couple helpings of Aiden Hutchinson. He's fun. He's got the sack dances. He's punting the ball into the crowd. His family is always into it when they cut away. Very exciting player and good for Detroit. And also a very loyal soldier because they asked him about, you know, his time at Michigan and the sign stealing and Connor Stallions. Yeah. He said he's a low level guy. He was never around the team. As soon as I saw that interview, I was like, Aiden Hutchinson, he's a guy you want to have the bunker with you. He, he's a right. real team player. So we'd love to see that next one. Sal Brandon Staley head coach of the start of the chargers will still be the chargers coach next season. How many helpings are you taking to that? I don't know <laughs> if I can have that. That's too no, much. I'm, I'm, I'm passing on this. Like it's my mother's three day old liver stuffing. I, I can't do it. Look, he got mad when they asked him in the press conference, you saw this, they asked him about if he's going to call the defense. He got mad. I feel like that's a coach is undoing when uh, a normally temperamental coach freaks out in a press conference I'm like okay the end is near they I think they think they're being cool and they have to do something like that but you know the the bottom line is there are six good quarterbacks in this league and if you're lucky to have one on your team you have to win and Brandon Staley hasn't figured out a way to do that 
And especially when you're known as a defensive coach, right? So if Brandon Staley's so-called a defensive guru and this defense continues to lose games for the Chargers, eventually they're going to point the finger at the, the quote-unquote defensive guru. So that stands. Yeah. Next up, Sal, Brock Purdy is the perfect QB for the 49ers. <laughs> and I say that because he had a perfect passer rating this past weekend. How do we feel about that? We're going to do this again. All right, I'll take a generous helping of this. I understand. I mean, it's so tough because the San Francisco 49ers lore at quarterback, Montana, and Young, right? That's a, To say he's perfect is so tough. I know even though if it was one day, but he is perfect for this team at this time until two weeks from now he drops the ball in the rain or something, and we're all like, oh, he sucks, Mr. Irrelevant, makes sense. Yeah, it's so funny with the 49ers quarterback situation. It felt like, what, 2019, 2018, somewhere around there, there was all these rumblings and rumors that Aaron Rodgers wanted to go play for right. the 49ers and that Tom Brady had this dream to play at Joe Montana's you know, team, and he had this whole scheme to get himself with the 49ers. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers end up with Brock Purdy, who is Mr. Irrelevant, and he is right now looking like the guy that is fit and best suited for the job. So it's funny how things work in the NFL and uh, how the prognosticators can be wrong at times next up so the buffalo bills needed to make a change at offensive coordinator they fire ken dorsey <laughs> the offense uh still is you know you know kind of you know running the same machine as it was before how do we feel about this one listen we watched that monday night game together last week right they had to fire the offensive coordinator the defense had 12 men on the field a couple plays before was a terrible pass interference call that is the offensive coordinator's fault no obviously it wasn't but you know what sometimes even if it wasn't all his fault ken dorsey they needed to mix it up to make a change, and maybe the Bills can. I know it was only against the Jets. They had good field position the whole game because the Jets' offense was awful. But mix it up. I'll take a generous helping of that, too. They needed to make the change. Yeah, quickly on the Bills, I've seen a lot of people um, in the mainstream media, I guess I would call it, they keep talking about the window, the championship window yeah. is closing for the Buffalo Bills. Just just that general conversation, when you have a guy like Josh Allen, who is young and is a really good football player and a good quarterback, do you think that, is there any sort of credence to the idea that the window is closing for this Buffalo Bills team, or are you just trying to pass on that as well? Yeah, maybe the window could be two weeks between, you know, as far as how Stefan Diggs reacts to Josh Allen, he could walk off the field at any time. So I think it is kind of closing, you know, if you want Von Miller to step it up in big games. Yeah, that's your big name player on defense at this point with all the injuries. Yeah, I could see it closing and they don't have a lot of time there. Well, I close my eyes, Sal. You know what I can see? I see Stephon Diggs in a Cowboys uniform. Uh, brother. I mean, that, that's what it looks like to me. I'm, I'm not saying any collusion was happening, but as soon as I saw his brother tweeting about how he's wide open and needs to get out of Buffalo, I uh, I saw the no writing. No shortage of Diggs. More yeah. the merrier. Let's yeah, a lot of in. Diggs coming from the Diggs family. Sometimes you live up to your name, so there you go. <laughs> um, next one, Sal. The Cincinnati Bengals should have been the team to sign Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco just signed with the Cleveland Browns practice squad. He did a little Ohio tour do you think Cincinnati should assign Flacco um you know what you could skip me in line here for this helping of uh whatever we're calling this here I I, I think the 2023 Joe Flacco isn't can't be much better than Jake Brown and can he be I don't know really I, I'm not sure what we're gonna see out of uh Flacco I will say maybe they should move the trade deadline up a couple of weeks because when Joe Flacco is the only one available, you know, Cooper Rush should still be in the mix for teams with quarterbacks who get hurt, which seems to be the trend uh, in 2023. So I don't know. I don't know if Flacco's the answer. I'm, I'm not eating any of that. 
Yeah, I saw Brent Musburger was keep painting uh, for the idea of bringing AJ McCarron back just so he could see his wife. So, I mean, there's some people that are trying <laughs> to play for someone to come back in the mix. And right. I like the exemption for uh, teams that lose their quarterback this late in the season. You know, there, there needs to be some sort of rule to help these teams out, especially a team like Cincinnati. Okay, Sal, last one. Aaron Rodgers on one leg is still the best quarterback in New York. There's a lot of quarterbacks to choose from. Do you think that's the case? Can you Will you take a helping of Aaron Rodgers on one leg? What? Better than anyone in New York? Better than uh, Tommy DeVito? <laughs> Better than Tim Boyle? Better than Trevor Simeon? No way. I, In fact, I found a New York quarterback, actually, uh, Tate, that's better than a one-legged Aaron Rodgers. His name is Casey Case. He's a quarterback of Stony Brook, who's 0-9 this year. That is in New York. 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Give me Casey Case over Aaron Rodgers. I thought you were going to say Casey Kasem at first. Uh, so <laughs> shout out to him. That would be great for, you know, uh, Shaggy to get out there from the Scooby-Doo fame to make some things happen. There you go. That would be good for New York. Uh, also, shout out to our guy, uh, you know, Boyle, who has only thrown one touchdown in his yeah. entire collegiate career for UConn. I thought that was a nice note that you brought up on the Bill Simmons podcast. Now let's do some more fun stuff, Sal. Let's go to the gravy boat question of the week, a.k.a. Mm. some prop culture. And there's been a lot of conversation about the ring of honor with the Dallas Cowboys boys so that lends us to this question sal who should jerry jones let into the ring of honor next i got the odds in front of me we got the favorite tony romo at three to one we got lebron james obviously a famous cowboys fan at 10 to one we got chris christie who's been seen in the box with jerry jones there at 30 to one we got eli manning who had a fun oh. night with mark Wahlberg tonight at 75 oh. to one. that was that's that's a little tough that's a little close and we got the field at even odds who are you going to take here sal who should be in the ring of honor first of all Kudos, Tony Romo at the top of the list. But those yeah. other options are just terrible. Chris Christie, LeBron James, and Eli Manning. Disgraceful. But you know what? I'm going to take the field here, Tate. I want to throw myself in the mix. Myself I and like the parlay kid, lifelong Cowboys fans. We put ourselves through all the misery they've provided in the last, what, 30 years or so. And you know what? We're not just uh, observers from far. We got on the field. We caught, I caught a touchdown pass from the parlay kid. I caught right. many. I think we only have one on tape. We're going to see it right here. There's the hookup. Not many people could say that. Come on, Jerry, step up. Put me in the parlay kid in the ring of honor. What are you waiting for? I think this is a great pick. I like it that you can get it at even odds. I'm going to go and I'm going to saddle up with you, Cousin Sal. I want you in there. I want the parlay kid in there. And I want Jerry Jones to finally respect against all odds. I think that's what Thanks, we need. Buddy. And uh, that would be good for football. You know what I mean? It'd be good for the Cowboys. And who knows? Maybe if they make a karmic play like that, Sal, some real fans get into the ring of honor. Good things happen in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, the Dallas Cowboys on their way to the Lombardi Trophy, right? That, that's all we can hope for. Some good I like, stuff. You know here. what? We may have to clear it with LeBron first, but I like your, uh, I like your way of thinking there yeah i know i i think lebron's gonna be very upset about this he would like <laughs> to take himself a 10 to 1 there we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna do some line look aheads for week 12 wow can't believe it's week 12 
Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Cousin Sal, and we're playing a fun game. We're going to do some line look-aheads and look at Week 12. Sal, can you believe that we made it to Week 12 in the NFL? My goodness. I can't believe it, but I also don't want to be one of those idiots of like, oh, I can't believe it's Week 12. So let's just cut that out of the whole uh Okay, I'll take that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's take that out. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. But uh, yeah, we got some good games because it is Thanksgiving week. When you think of Thanksgiving, you think of football. And let's start there because we got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Detroit Lions. Lions minus seven and a half in this game, Sal. They're going to kick off at 1230, 930 Pacific time. What are we going to be watching this game? And how do you feel about the Lions holding up and getting a win at home? First of all, you're right. I, I hate to start off so sarcastic. This is the best week of the year. It started early for you, right? Monday with the classics all over the place and basketball. And then from Thursday to Sunday, nonstop football, college and pro. Uh, this is seven and a half, as you said. I thought it'd be a little lower. I thought it'd be about seven because they were seven and a half the other day against Chicago. And now Green Bay, I thought was a better team. They beat Chicago, but whatever. You want to put it at seven and a half. You want to tease people around that that's fine. I'm just happy, Tate, that we have at least one serviceable quarterback in Jared Goff in this early game. In years past, you, you would proactively vomit up your candy yams because the matchups were so bad, but not the case this Sunday. Yeah, Jordan Love showed some flashes as well. 322 passing yards, two touchdowns, 27 of 40, you know, going against the Chargers. But it does feel like you, you throw it a little bit away with the grain of salt when it is the Chargers. But, um, yeah. you know, Aaron Jones has the injury, gets carted off. He says he caught a break. So hopefully uh, the Packers will be able to get him back later in the season. So there is some optimism for the Green Bay Packers. But the Detroit Lions are the real story. And the real story that we need to talk about, let's track to the future here. We want to talk AP NFL Coach of the Year. Right now, Dan Campbell at plus 150 right behind him you got houston head coach D'Amico ryans does it feel like a foregone conclusion that if you know dan campbell or the lions keep it rolling that he will be the coach of the year so well you and i discussed this at the frolic room on nephew kyle's birthday and then he passed out i think he still passed out there right? i think From he's still Sunday. asleep yeah sure. but he's not drunk he's just asleep he's just taking he's just asleep and yep. unemployed okay all right we'll figure that all out no uh we talked about this it looks like it would be Campbell. You know, I thought O'Connell would be in there. Kevin O'Connell is 16 to 1. Had they won that game Sunday night, I think he's in the single digits, especially with the fake punt and everything, doing it with a backup quarterback, doing it without Justin Jefferson for much of the year. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's doing a great job, as we said. So if you go win above, wins above expectation, it's probably D'Amico Ryan's, but there's just so much with the coach out there, Dan Campbell. So many sound bites. They get in the locker room every week after a win, and I feel like that weighs heavily in the voters' minds. He always has something fun, something clever, something uh, inspirational to say in the locker room. Gave the game ball to Hutchinson on Sunday. I think that's a, a wrap probably for Coach of the Year. And I know Jim Harbaugh said that Michigan is America's team, but it does feel like if the Lions go on Thanksgiving Day, first game of the day, get a win at home in front of their fan base, they may be trying to take uh, the crown as America's team because it does feel like everyone somehow, because of all the, the down years in Detroit, it feels like we're all pulling for the Lions. Am I crazy to think that, that America is going to fall in love with the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, or should I be worried because this is a, a classic setup for the Packers to go in and get a, a divisional win against Detroit? Well, it's disgusting that you would consider anyone other than the Dallas Cowboys America's team. But if you right. want to steal from Michigan, that's fine. They've stolen enough from everyone else. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Jim Harbaugh, uh, maybe not America's team. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day. This is a, a tried and true rivalry in the NFL. Of course, I'm talking about the Washington Commanders going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Cowboys minus 10 and a half in this uh, game, coming off a route against my Carolina Panthers. What do we expect in this one, Sal? 
I expect to be disappointed. Of course, as always, of course, Tommy DeVito goes in there and beats Washington. It's like, oh boy, this is going to be a rollover. Michael Parsons should have a field day with that offensive line. If the Giants did, well, it's not the case. I'm never, ever going to look past Washington on Thanksgiving. They beat the Cowboys in 2012. I believe it was RG3 won a crazy game. And Alex Smith beat us. They beat us like 41-16. He had 150 passing yards. That was only like three years ago. But uh, And also, I've been funny, making fun of uh, rowboat Ron Rivera too much uh, for this to be easy enough for the Cowboys to roll. So I'm going to uh, proceed with caution with this one. I think nine is right. Nine and a half would be closer to it uh, when Simmons and I discussed. But now all the way up to ten and a half. A little nervous. Yeah, it feels like Riverboat Ron finally goes back to his nickname and goes for two to to cover at some level. Yeah, right? right. That, that, that would feel like a very Washington thing to happen in this game. Let's track to the future. Let's talk NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Right now, the favorite is Cleveland's very own number one pick, Miles Garrett, at plus 125. You got Micah Parsons at plus 200 and TJ Watt at plus 300. How are we feeling about Micah Parsons' Defensive Player of the Year campaign at this point in the season, Sal? Well, I think he's won it because we declared, we all to a man agreed that Micah Parsons is the next coming of Lawrence. Taylor. So now you're right. going to say Miles Garrett. I mean, how many Lawrence Taylors are we going to have? Tay, we can't have like there was only Lawrence one before, Taylors. at least as far as we thought. So I, yeah, and there can't and be now, one. Yeah, he's gone, and Micah Parsons is a new Lawrence Taylor. So I don't know if this Miles Garrett. I was half hoping that he would swing that helmet. I don't know if you saw Sunday. He got a hold of a Steelers uh, player's helmet. I'm like, come on, just swing it. You'll be thrown out one, of the league, and Michael will have <laughs> this award to himself but this is a numbers game for the defenders it has become lately and 14 sacks is going to be tough to beat actually has 13 sacks four force fumbles so uh probably miles garrett looking good especially if he could take these browns far and i don't know if you saw this sal but kevin durant um you probably didn't or maybe you yeah. did i don't know a lot of people keep up with kevin durant tweets sometimes you know it's not really worth it but he did quote tweet and basically said uh that if you're going to be betting on him and your parlays that he expects some kickbacks i don't know if you bet on micah parsons to win defensive player of the year but if you did sal are you willing to give some kickbacks to some of the players if they go out there and win you uh some money in the end because it feels like that's what kevin durant wants he says he'll feel happy if you get some kickbacks I think that's fine. I've heard of people winning million dollar Super Bowl pools and, you know, the squares pools and buying like the, the player responsible, like a Chevy uh, Cavalier or something even more uh, <laughs> exotic than that. So, yeah, I don't mind giving back. I'll, I'll write Kevin Durant a check. I don't know what he's done for me, but whatever he needs. Yeah, Put sure. him in one of your you know parlays, and then all of a sudden, if he gets you a win, you can maybe start a nice little friendship, a little kinship. Yeah. He said all he wants is a little bit of cash on the side, and he was upset that people were yelling at him when he actually didn't hit their bets. So um, I think it's a fair trade back and forth. Michael Parsons, um, I think uh, you know if you win Defensive Player of the Year, we owe you some kickbacks. Let's keep it rolling. We got the San Francisco 49ers. This is the last game on Thanksgiving. We got the 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks minus seven in this game, coming off one of their worst losses, if not their worst loss loss of the season how do we feel about seattle in this game so yeah well i feel like that it went i was way off on this i thought this would be about four four and a half the it fact is. that it's gone to seven makes me feel like it's a lock that we're gonna see drew lock at quarterback for seattle um i don't think they're gonna make it so easy on thanksgiving i'm hoping i can hit my two-team teaser with the lions and cowboys early on and this will be the struggle Pete Carroll, I could see pulling this out maybe, at least with the spread here, you know, chewing frantically on that mushroom gravy-flavored gum like he does every Thanksgiving. Uh, but I would take the points here. I think it's a little high. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game too. And I'm, I'm excited to see the 49ers and the Seahawks in prime time. I think it'll, you know, give us a little uh, picture of what the NFC in the playoffs will actually look like. So that'll be a fun game. Let's track to the future and look at the NFL Offensive Player of the Year right now. Tyreek Hill is the favorite at plus 125. But you got Christian McCaffrey sitting right there at plus 175. What's the update on McCaffrey's campaign to win this award, Sal? Do we feel like he still has a good chance? Oh, it's so close. It really is. But how do you pick between these two players? You know, no. I'm, I'm not... Uh, one for sharing as you could tell by my physique and food and how that goes on uh, Thanksgiving but I wouldn't actually mind if they were co-winners of this award if you look at the numbers CMC almost 1200 yards combined and 14 touchdowns Hill over 1200 receiving um, maybe I give McCaffrey a slight edge because the injuries seem to be piling up even though small on the Tyreek Hill side but it's really really so close if it's this close I would just take the bigger number in McCaffrey plus 175 but you can't be mad if Tyreek Hill wins yeah, it does feel like a toss-up at this point. And like you said, I mean, just based on the odds there, you take McCaffrey, you feel good about it at plus 175, and you see what happens, see where the chips may fall. And uh, this feels like the de facto award outside of the you know quarterback-winning MVP. Right. So this is the other offensive player. So those are the two guys that you kind of go back to. Let's keep it moving here. we got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Houston Texans. Texans will be at home, and they're plus one and a half in this game. Uh, this is an AFC South showdown. So how do we feel about the Texans? Are they able to cover this one? I thought this was a fair line. A lot of people thought the Texans should be favored, and they did wallop Jacksonville in Florida uh, earlier in the year. But I do think Jacksonville's just a more complete team. Don't forget, before they got beaten up, thrashed by the 49ers, they had won five in a row, and then back on track last Sunday against Tennessee. Not a great offense, but uh, still a stifling defense, and that could spell trouble for C.J. Stroud, who's been remarkable. But we saw him with some big turnovers in the red zone against uh tampa was it right and so that was that no i'm sorry it was even worse team arizona on sunday so uh i think they have to be a little like bit careful. Same. those two are like the exact same yeah right? i know I mean, is there any difference i don't think there's any difference uh so uh yeah i'm gonna go jacksonville on this one yeah i like that let's track to the future we're looking at the afc south winner uh the jaguars are minus 230 to win that division texans at plus 230 um so they're trying to get you to believe in the houston texans is there any chance that D'Amico ryan's and cj stroud can make a run and win this division Definitely a chance. And of course, if they win this coin toss game, then uh, so be it. They're right there in the mix. But I'd rather than lay the minus 230 with Jacksonville, I'd rather roll the dice and take Jacksonville just for this game on Sunday and hope that it plays out there. Even though I think the Texans are a more fun team, I think there's revenge on uh, the Jags' mind there. Yeah, I do think that everyone's buying into the C.J. Stroud hype, but he did have a couple rookie moments. You, moments. you mentioned that uh, that bad interception, you know, just a wide open linebacker just drops back in coverage and he throws it right to him in the end zone. So yeah. uh, we did see some finally some rookie decisions made by C.J. Stroud. So we'll see what happens this weekend. We got the Cleveland Browns taking on the Denver Broncos. Broncos minus two and a half in this game. One of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in the NFL. How do we feel about this one? So do we think the Broncos can cover at home? Uh, I feel this line is way off. I think it's about four points off. I think the Browns are better, and I think you need to go back and have FanDuel fix this line as long okay. as it's going to take. I'll call somebody. Yeah, go call. Honestly, I'll wait. I mean, Shield will have to wait. We'll we'll stop the show because I think yeah. this is a travesty here. Uh, the Browns are better. The defense is going to create a fit for Russ and his short passing game. The only thing I'm thinking is the Broncos are in kind of must-win territory for all their games the rest of the way, where Cleveland, uh, hard to believe, with seven wins, only needs a couple more probably to get into the playoffs, but I still think this number is off. 
Yeah, let's track to the future talking about the Denver Broncos because there is some optimism that is brewing in Denver right now with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Uh, track to the future Broncos to make the playoffs. Yes, is plus 320 right now, Sal. That's a lot of value. Is it worth taking a swing on the Denver Broncos to make the playoffs? I don't like it. I think you, you're better off going individually in games like this if you want the Broncos to make the playoffs. And then, you know, they're still going to have to win like four or five more like this. So uh, I see three losses on their schedule. They're at Texans, at the Lions. Chargers twice. Even the Pats and Raiders games are going to be tough for them. They're not going to be a substantial favorite in any of those. Uh, at least three losses on their schedule. So I'd say no. By the way, per Todd Furman, he was that that uh, robot I worked with on that other gambling show <laughs> years nice. ago. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's barely a human being. But anyway, he did point out that the last three games, Denver is plus 10 in turnover margin, turnover ratio. So that ain't going to continue. Yeah, a lot of takeaways for the Denver defense, a team that also famously gave up 70 points to the Dolphins, right. which uh, it's hard to believe that happened in the same season. So that's just how long this Can you believe it's week 12 already? I know. I oh, wait, I, wait, I, I was yeah. about to say that. I, I don't oh, know how yeah. we get back to we that. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Last line, look ahead, Sal. The Chicago Bears going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Vikings minus three and a half in this game. How do we feel about the Pastronaut and the Minnesota Vikings? Chicago kind of playing it right, right, Tate? They're, they're being competitive but losing games they but i think they were like a 93 percent chance favored to win uh the other day against detroit um i like minnesota i think this could go to four the vikes beat them in october 1913 and i think they're better and i don't think chicago is better there josh Dobbs is definitely fun to watch but you know what his parents are even more fun to watch have you seen the cutaways to his parents they're they they very very yeah yeah they they want him to be something other than a quarterback in the NFL. That's <laughs> exactly. all I can tell. It's a very odd <laughs> dynamic. I might be a sick man for liking that more than like a Taylor Swift cutaway, but I do. I like it feels Vikings. like they're embarrassed to tell people that their son plays in the NFL. They right. want to tell him that he's a surgeon or, or, you know, something that's more respectable. But uh, shout out to uh, the Pastronaut himself. We're a big fan here. Josh Jobs, like we talked about last week, one of the most likable quarterbacks. Let's track to the future and talk about quarterbacks that we like. The number one overall pick right now so we have caleb williams out of usc at minus 320 you could take the field at plus 210 is, is it a foregone conclusion at this point that the chicago bears with the number one pick gifted to them by the carolina panthers are going to take caleb williams there at number one never heard of him no <laughs> I, it is kind of weird though the worse that team gets and they just keep losing and losing and losing then they lost to ucla who doesn't score against anybody and put a whooping on them the the better caleb williams stock value grows it really is right. crazy and yeah, I think I get it all. I mean, we watched him in the pocket. He's phenomenal. He moves around great. When he's pressured, he's one of the worst in college football. But I think Chicago has something going against him. If they have that number one pick, they have to realize they passed on Patrick Mahomes. And everybody's saying, this is the next Patrick Mahomes. This is the next Patrick Mahomes. I think there's no in between. I think this is either Patrick Mahomes or Josh Rosen. So they don't want to take the chance. They got a couple couple ways they could screw this up with two picks in the top five, uh, which ter turns out to probably be the way their uh, season's going. So I think uh, minus 320 is a good number. Yeah, there's a lot of symmetry between the last time they had a situation like this. They have a Carolina quarterback that's kind of sneaking up the board. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky, who they ended up taking number two overall before Deshaun Watson, before Pat Mahomes, shocked a lot of people at the time that they did that. So the Chicago Bears, you would think, would just go to what most people predict to be the number one pick. Tom McShay said it will not change, that Caleb Williams will be the number one pick on most mock drafts. And uh, if Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay are saying it, Sal, you know it must be true. He must be the number one guy. Unless so they're betting money on the 
field, and then they're just uh, you know, this could be a big, big scandal. Tate. Right, right. right. Watch out. Yeah, I think that's a that's a nice <laughs> seed to plant there. We'll see what happens. Caleb Williams did not talk to the media after he lost to UCLA. A lot of people right. make uh, a mountain out of that deal, but we'll see what happens with that. It's going to be a uh, a fun lead into the draft, to say the least. A lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good players in general. Uh, Sal, appreciate you coming on the show as always. Wow. Love talking football with you, and I can't wait till next week when I can say, Sal, can you believe it's week 13? <laughs> I won't even believe it. Next week, I won't believe it. This week, I believe it. But if we get lucky enough to get the next week, forget it. There you have it. Uh, Cousin Sal's winning weekends on Fridays. Go check that out. You got the Ringer Wise guys on Sunday. Sal, thanks so much for being on the show, man. See you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Through the ringer now joining us you know him from the philly special here at the ringer he is the great shield kapadia shield good to see you man you too tate thanks for having me yeah it's a good time we got thanksgiving day football so we got a lot of conversations and we'll start with the we got three games to look ahead to here on thanksgiving and we'll start with the one that everyone's fired up about because a lot of times we get to thanksgiving shield and people point to the detroit lions and they they talk about how sad the season has been um you know they aren't able to win a game like a lot of detroit fans i mean they'll wear bags on their head when they go to the thanksgiving day games but today and in this time, Detroit Lions fans are fired up for Thanksgiving Day. And we got the Packers coming and they're minus seven and a half. What do we expect? Do we think Detroit can come through and make all their fan base very happy on a Thanksgiving Day? I mean, what a what a weird time. What a weird <laughs> world. The Detroit right. Lions are seven and a half point favorites on Thanksgiving in a season where like they could get to the Super Bowl legitimately. That's not a joke. They actually could get to the Super Bowl. Um I like this Lions offense quite a bit. You know, they, they had kind of the hiccup uh, in week 11 where Jared Goff throws three interceptions and you're going, oh, is this like, you know, turn back the clock on Jared Goff? Other than, I know it's a big other than that, but I thought they moved the football well. I thought it's like a long season. You're going to have games where the quarterback turns the football over. They still found a way at the end, put together two very good drives. So uh, I like this Lions offense a lot. I think they'll definitely show up against this this Packers defense. But on the other side of the ball, it's sort of gone under the radar. Packer, Jordan Love's playing a lot better now. Like he is playing way better now, I think, than he did in the beginning of the season. I would say it's been his best three-game stretch of the year. So I don't know if I trust the Lions with that seven and a half. I kind of feel like the Packers are going to be able to move the football, but we're legitimately going to get a good Lions game that I'm looking forward to on Thanksgiving. What, what a headliner. I know. And I feel like all of our, you know, families, as we gather together to watch football, you know, everyone rolls their eyes as they see the lions come on the TV. This is the year that I think the general public will finally see what Dan Campbell has been building in Detroit. And just in general, I want to talk about Dan Campbell. We talked with Sal about him coach of the year. Do you think he right now would be your vote for coach of the year? Do you, or do you have someone else on the outside looking in that you would, that you would go for? He's he's right in the mix. I mean, Kevin O'Connell, D'Amico Ryans, and Dan Campbell. I think those are probably my top three. Listen, if you you know if you Google Shiel Kapadia and Dan Campbell, you would find a lot of jokes I made about Dan Campbell, like when he first got hired. Like, oh my God, what is this guy talking about? Biting Kneecap. kneecaps. That's what he was yeah. talking about. Yeah, which is strange. Every every time I wrote about them, I was making fun of the kneecaps, and now I'm like, I love this guy. He's like one of the best coaches uh, in the NFL. You know, I don't know if you watch that Hard Knocks on the Lions, but that like really changed. That's the only coach I think where it's like totally changed my perception of him. I'm like, 
wow, he's authentic. Like, look at these meetings he's having with players when he's cutting them. Like, man, this is, this is really like gut wrenching for him. And so he's got that aspect to him. Uh, he's really good with in-game management. Again, I don't think this is anything I saw coming, but when you're talking about being aggressive on fourth down and not being afraid to lose and not being afraid to like explain your decisions to the media afterwards, he's been good at that. And so, um, he's got to be yeah right up there. I, w- I would say he's a top three candidate. Yeah, I do think that uh, we talked about how Riverboat Ron is no longer Riverboat Ron. I do think that Dan Campbell needs a nickname because he's not afraid to go for it. We saw him in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? He's got a fourth and four, fourth and three, whatever it is. And he's saying, you know, let's go. Let's go make it happen. So shout out to the Lions. We're excited to see them on Thanksgiving Day. The next game, we have the Washington Commanders taking on the Dallas Cowboys. This is a tried and true rivalry. This goes way back to uh, the beginnings of NFL football and football in general. It feels like Cowboys minus 10 and a half in this game game I feel like it will be closer than what the line says how do you feel about this one Chill? yeah I generally lean towards the dogs on Thanksgiving in these big games and it's like all right a lot of people are going to be gambling uh on these probably a lot of people taking the favorites I'm with you this commander's offense like they don't have a bad offense and that that sounds you're you're, right now people are just you know yelling at their screens saying what did you not watch that game uh against the Giants they had six turnovers six turnovers is bad there, there's some randomness to turnovers in the NFL. We know this. And so I think just in terms of going up and down the field, they had 400 yards of offense. Uh, Sam Howell, actually, like I had very low expectations for him coming into the season. I think he's made some high-level throws. And so uh, I feel like that commander's offense has a chance to at least move the football a little bit. Like you said, it's a rivalry game. It's a division game. Uh, I think the commanders are going to keep that game more competitive than maybe a lot of people are anticipating. I'm trying to avoid that recency bias and saying they just lost to Tommy DeVito. You can't put money on the on a team that just lost to Tommy DeVito. But uh, I kind of like them in this spot. Yeah, it's a divisional game, so you can kind of throw out common sense, right? It never is going to make sense for a lot of uh, you know football fans out there. I do want to ask about this Cowboys team because they they're coming off a route of the Panthers. They've been able to to win some games, um, you know, against the Giants, against the Panthers. Been able to have some blowouts. Are we excited to see what they can do against a team that uh, maybe will push them a little bit? You know what I mean? Or are we going to change our conversation about the Cowboys if they go and blow out Washington on Thanksgiving Day as everybody in America watches them? do it do you think that we'll all start to kind of get behind the train of maybe the Cowboys could win the Super Bowl I think they're kind of probably in a no-win situation here you know they're 10 and a half point favorites if they blow out the commanders everyone's gonna say wow you blew out the commanders you you know right yeah you still lost to the Niners you still lost to the Eagles now they still have a matchup with the Eagles here coming up in Dallas so I think that'll be the game where like if they win that game that'll be the one where everyone says okay maybe this team is different but honestly come on we, we both know Tate until it's divisional round weekend and they win that game everyone is just going to assume that this team is going to lose in the divisional round for like the 27th straight year uh, or whatever it is. So I think they have a ways to go, but they're playing really well. I mean, I I think they're certainly uh, a Super Bowl contender, but there is that sort of believe it when I see it thing with them, I think. Yeah, you hope CeeDee Lamb is healthy. And uh, like you said, until Stephen A. Smith is not able to wear a cowboy hat and laugh and, and, you know, have a field day during the playoffs, that's when we'll finally believe in the Dallas Cowboys. Now let's look at the last game on Thanksgiving. This is the best game uh, by all accounts. We have the San Francisco 49ers NFC West showdown against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Seahawks minus seven in this game, which is a pretty, um, you know, I think jaw-dropping number, at least from my vantage point. How do you feel about the Niners going up to take on the Seahawks? Yeah, they're big home underdogs. You know, I look at that Seahawks game in week 11, and it's like that could end up being one of the most devastating losses for a team 
all season. You know, they're up by mm-hmm. what nine against the Rams coming down the stretch, and then they lose that game. And you look at their schedule coming up. I mean, they've got the Niners twice. They've got the Eagles. They've got the Cowboys in the next four weeks. Like that is a tough slate. And now you're talking about Geno Smith dealing with this injury. So uh, it's really a tough one for me because the 49ers blew out the Seahawks three games last year. They were three and zero. I think they won by an average of like 15 points. So you understand why the line is as high as it is. Having said that, I'm still not totally sold on this 49ers defense. I mean, if you looked at them against Tampa, Baker Mayfield was having some moments in there where they were moving the football and they were competitive there in the second half. So 49ers offense, a juggernaut, no doubt about it. But if Geno Smith is healthy, I actually think, you, you know, the Seahawks have a chance to move the football on them a little bit. Yeah, I do think that's a fair point, and the Seahawks should have some sort of bounce back coming off. I mean, they lost to the Rams twice this season, which is, uh, you know, any other year it might be okay to do that, but definitely not this season. So that's something to concern yourself with. But the 49ers, um, you know, early in the year, about week four, week five, week six, we're talking about them, the best team in the NFL. Do you think this could be a launch pad if they go into Seattle, they get a win, where now they're talk- we're talking about them in that same conversation as one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC? Yeah, I think they're already there. Uh, Honestly, like I think if you had to name two teams in the NFC, three teams in the NFC, four teams overall that can win the Super Bowl, they've got to be there. I mean, the offensive numbers are just like eye-popping. You know, when you look at even this Niners offense compared to previous versions with Jimmy Garoppolo, like this is far and away the best version of a Kyle Shanahan offense with the 49ers we've ever seen. And that's saying something because, you know, they've been to the Super Bowl with him. So, yeah, I think they're sort of, they had their lull. They had their three-game losing streak. And now it's like, all right, take care of business, win the division, see what what seed you can get in the NFC. But at this point, it would just be like a a stunner to me, uh, you know, if they're not there in the second round uh, in the NFC Championship. Yeah, now we get Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith in prime time on Thanksgiving Day. What a world we live in. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk our favorite Thanksgiving NFL memories. both were doing our own independent research about Thanksgiving Day and the NFL and some of the highlights. And you and I both came back to the same conclusion, which is most of the highlights on Thanksgiving Day came in the 20th century, not the 21st century. What did you find uh, during your deep dive on Thanksgiving Day NFL memories? Yeah, there were two that I came up with. One popped into my head right away, and that was 1993. Uh, Cowboys-Dolphins have a snow game, and Dolphins are lining up for the game-winning field goal. Cowboys block it. They're like, all right, game's over. But Cowboys defensive tackle Leon Lett slides and touches the football. Dolphins recover it at the one-yard line, uh, and they kick the game-winning field goal. And I recommend everyone watch this on YouTube because John Madden is on the call, and he's, like, all over it. You see, you know, Jerry Jones is celebrating. Troy Aikman's hugging Michael Irvin, and all of a sudden, the Dolphins win that game. So that was one of them. And then the other one, 1998. Jerome Bettis is calling the coin toss Steelers Lions in overtime. And I don't know what he said. He said like head tails or he said something where he thought he said tails. The ref insisted he said heads. Well, this was back when it was sudden death overtime. So they lose the toss. Lions get it. They kick a field goal. Uh, They win the game. They actually changed the rule after that. Now, if you notice when the ref tosses the coin, you know, he he gets heads or tails on the record before the coin toss. So uh, those were two that I had a little fun with going on YouTube and and rewatching them from my youth. 
And I remember uh, Jerome Bettis, you know, see, you see that clip all the time where he absolutely loses his mind as he is told that he did not, in fact, call tails. I do think that he started like, huh, you know, he started with the huh, and then he, and then he called himself and then he switched it to tails. So uh, I don't put too much on the referees there. I know that's a tough spot to be in, especially when you got Jerome Bettis staring you down, wanting to murder you as uh, you have basically agreed to him in such a high, you know, standing spot, especially on Thanksgiving day. But um, that's a good one. Also in the 21st century, the biggest one that we were able to find was the butt fumble um, back in 2012. Mark Sanchez, of course, famously down 14 to zero playing the new England Patriots in the height of Tom Brady, Bill Belichick's, you know, dynasty dominance, whatever you want to call it and uh mark sanchez uh, endeared himself to all of america as he had the most one of the most famous plays we've ever seen in the nfl where were you when the butt fumble happened and do you remember watching it i, I actually do remember that yeah, i think i was at my parents house uh that thanksgiving I, I, in the basement watching it there and now this is a, this is a good job by you hosting because you're bringing them back full circle mark sanchez was actually the quarterback of that eagles cowboys game I mentioned. So, I mean, the guy has had ups. The guy has had downs uh, on Thanksgiving. I'm sure he's just tired of people asking him uh, about the butt fumble. But listen, Mark Sanchez, I enjoy you calling uh, NFL games now. You keep me entertained. So uh, it's all worked out for you. Yeah, appreciate you, Mark Sanchez. And he's always been a good sport about it. Every time that they, you know, bring it up to him, he's like, you know, sometimes it's okay to be a part of something, you know, a part of history in football. It just so happened that he was on the wrong side of history. But uh, like we said, we, we like that he makes light of it. Some other moments on Thanksgiving Day that people remember that were important. Uh, Peyton Manning. Um, and this is uh, back to the Detroit Lions, unfortunately. Back in 2004, the Colts won 41-9 against the Lions, and Peyton Manning broke Dan Marino's single-season record of 48 touchdown passes by throwing six six touchdown passes against the Detroit Lions. So that was a moment in time that everyone remembers. Uh, the New York Giants back in 1982, Lawrence Taylor uh, beat the Lions uh, and helped them you know, with a big strip sack. Uh, they ended up winning that game 13-6. So that was a, another game that people like to highlight. Leon Lett and the Heads tail call are probably the two most famous ones uh that you go to outside of the butt fumble but all in all like when you think about you know thanksgiving day you think about good football barry sanders um had a big game on thanksgiving day as well obviously i mean barry sanders one of the best football players we've ever seen um you know tore up chicago back in 1997 um and uh, that is something a lot of people point to as well that's the positive side when we talk about the detroit Lions. i like to spin it back positive for them um but just if we had to forecast these matchups that we have on this Thanksgiving day, is there a player or is there a moment in time that, you know, if you put in your crystal ball, you say, I could see, you know, deck Prescott throwing four touchdowns. You know, is there, is there something you expect to see this Thanksgiving day? I, I feel like it would have to be, I feel like that night game, you know, in Seattle night game, Seahawks, 49ers rivals, maybe something with Pete Carroll throwing his guy. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's the game I have my eye on when we're like, what's the one 20 years from now when, you know, the next Tate Frazier is hosting one of these segments talking about uh, Thanksgiving memories. What are they talking about? I feel like it'll have something to do with that uh, Seahawks 49ers. I like that. I mean, we had the Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman moment, obviously. I mean, there is a, a a fierce rivalry, especially when, if you've ever been to San Francisco or Seattle, there's a lot of symmetry and similarities between the two cities. So I think that also adds, you know, insult to injury when it comes to the rivalry. They get mad at each other. They're like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. So Pete Carroll getting fired up. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan's kind of like the young darling of the NFL. He's the old school coach. It's kind of, you know, people have seen him for quite some time. So 
maybe maybe we get a little showdown between these two guys and have a moment. I like that pick. Um, is there any is there anything else uh, Thanksgiving Day outside of those two guys that you would just say um, watch out for this player offensively? Uh, maybe Sam Howell is going to have a big game. Uh, you know, CD Lamb if he's healthy, and then and then we'll get you out of here, Shield. And we appreciate you taking your time. Well, did you read this story? about Micah Parsons and like the protein uh, thing he took mm-hmm. before last. Okay. So he took some new protein supplement before last week's Cowboys game. He said Maniac. it made him, it made him feel like his chest was about to explode or something. He was vomiting on the sideline. They, the guy had two and a half sacks. So then they asked him, they're like, you know, like, are, so are you done with that? And he's like, well, two and a half sacks. Like maybe I'll just take half a scoop for this next game. So I don't know. Sam Howell's like the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Micah Parsons. We don't know if his Thanksgiving's going to start with this weird protein thing that he took last week. Uh, so yeah, I would say that it, Parsons is always going to be must see TV probably on Thanksgiving for like the next decade or so for the Cowboys. So uh, that that's one I've got my eye on. Let's take the over on uh, Micah Parsons' sacks. I don't know what that number will be from FanDuel, but we'll figure it out. Shio Kapadia, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, for sharing all your insight. Where can we find all your amazing work on The Ringer? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you can uh, listen to the Ringer's Philly special where we talk all things Philadelphia sports. And then I'm with Ben Solak on Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed where we talk uh, all things NFL. Awesome. Thanks, Shio. there you have it for through the ringer shout out to cousin sal shout out to shield kapadia for coming on the show and breaking down all things philly sports we appreciate that we appreciate everybody tuning in to through the ringer and we will be back on friday after we've had a nice thanksgiving meal with the family hope everybody has a happy thanksgiving and we will see you again on friday morning here on through the ringer